0: Welcome to ELT in Chile again, so a podcast about teaching English in Chile and now teaching online and also going back to face-to-face classes. In this video episode, we're interviewing Graham Hall. So Graham, I'm going to provide, let's say, some of your information here, and then we can start with the questions. So, so Graham Hall is a senior lecturer in applied linguistics at Northumberland University, United Kingdom, where he teaches in the University uh, Master of Arts in Biolinguistics for TESOL and also in the MA TESOL programs. Uh, he's been involved in English language teaching and TESOL for over 20 years, I guess. Yeah. Working as a teacher and teacher educator. Ram Hall is an applied linguist with a particular interest in language teaching, specifically English language teaching ELT, which is also the name of the podcast ELT in Chile. So he's interested in the debate surrounding language teaching methodology and classroom practice, and also in exploring ways in which teachers might understand and reflect on their own classrooms, uh, and also on their own practice. Absolutely. Graham has published research in the professional methodology methodological literature of ELT, and also the critical debates around the role of English and of the English language teaching in the world. She holds an MA in Linguistics for ELT and also a PhD in Applied Linguistics. So welcome, Graham. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me
1: in this. Thank well, you. Thank you very much for the invitation.
0: Well, it's like I said honor. before, yeah, thank you very much. The idea is like, uh, you know, to talk about, let's say, your experience and, you know, and also how you... You, 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 let's say, involved in actually. Here, I have your sure. book. Ah,
1: <laughs> thank you, sir. It's a
0: very interesting book. So it's one of my favorite yeah, yeah. books. Actually, I try, I recommend. You know that book. I didn't
1: know you were going to do that, but it's uh, it's
0: always <laughs> a surprise. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I have some questions for you, and uh, maybe you can share, let's say, some of your experiences. One of the first questions I usually ask people is like, how did you become interested in language teaching and education, or how
1: did you get involved, let's say, in, in, in this?
0: Uh, profession? Yeah,
1: that's that's uh, It's a good. It's a good question. Of course, everybody's everybody's different. Um. So, I kind of come uh, as uh, as for a lot of, I come from a family of teachers. You know? So my mother was a teacher. My uh, my dad was a teacher my aunt was a teacher my great aunts were teachers I, you know um so i decided that i was never going to be a teacher consequently <laughs> and of course uh, it, 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 it it's it's like that line from the the film the godfather just when you thought you get out they would pull you back in so um yeah it maybe there was a touch of inevitability there but what like like many people uh, 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 uh of my age and and, and background i kind of graduated from university in uh, the early 1990s and um at that time for, for better or worse probably worse um you know people in my position who were, who were british um had the opportunity to 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 Take a CELTA course and and go into English language teaching. It was a it was an opportunity for us then. I look back on it now with with quite a lot of misgivings and reservations. But as a as a twenty two year old, uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was an opportunity to take advantage of all the privileges I was given. Uh, and uh, and yeah, like I say, I look back now and think, wow. Um, you know there's all sorts of issues there but so that was that was how it happened I, I i actually was a graduate of geography uh wanted to 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 do something outside of the uk took the to like many people and then after probably after you know not too long after a year or so i i came back to britain and i actually trained as a secondary school teacher in britain and um and uh then thought okay uh that was a sort of commitment to teaching as it were but I actually enjoyed teaching English more than I enjoyed teaching geography and so went back into English language teaching. So so after, I guess after a period of kind of uh dabbling of about a year I thought yeah teaching is kind of um, it's something I enjoy and um and something I get quite a lot out of um because it's about people and um and and once you kind of get yourself in the mindset I was also in the world, luckily in the world of kind of uh, the more uh, private language school and British Council language school world at that time, uh, which also, uh, to be utterly selfish, avoided lots of the difficult uh, problems of trying to teach teenagers in a big state comprehensive school of 1,500 kids. So I'm not making uh, any honourable claims about my career. I kind of, time and again, in my early stages, took the easy option, which was... A result of the opportunities of my particular uh, background and so on and so forth, I make no claims to say that it was fair and I make no claims to say that I had any expertise at that time. But that was uh, the opportunities I was very, very lucky to have. So that's how it started.
0: And also, well, you you make a very good point in a way that, you know, we probably start new teaching from different experiences and you know life takes you in a different in a specific yeah or different direction so in a way maybe your life also took you or put you in that uh direction of maybe teaching and also maybe teaching in private schools because it can also well, well, it, was, it was
1: it was interesting because because um obviously um as i say it was the early 90s and at that time uh, there were lots of kind of political changes in the world and it was an opportunity to go and see political changes firsthand so uh as i think uh, it's not i don't think you said it in the in in the uh, in the blurb at the start but we might touch on i i went first and taught in poland and and hungary and these were the early 90s just after the, uh, the end of the cold war uh, of that time and it was just an opportunity for, for someone like me who was quite interested in in sort of that kind of thing um current affairs changes in europe it was an opportunity to go and live in in, in countries and it you know again I, I i can i can i can hear the privilege in in what i'm saying but uh, that's how it, that's how it was back then.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that was your 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 experience, and yeah. then well, you you said that you you trained to be a secondary school uh,
1: teacher. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, and I, I trained to be a geography teacher, yeah. and uh, <laughs> I think the big difference, and this this is something that's quite interesting, is 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 certainly as uh, somebody who worked in the, in the in the private language school sector at that time, uh, obviously people were choosing to study English, whereas. Uh, People were being forced to. St- kids were being forced to study geography. So you can kind of start to see <laughs> issues of motivation and, <laughs> and yeah. things like that. And I, I don't know. Maybe I was okay at geography teaching. Uh, it's not for me to say. But, but actually, the easier option was to teach people who were more motivated and chosen to do something.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. maybe Maybe can be. Uh, maybe you, it, that can be something that's that's more uh, rewarding. You know, like. Yeah.
1: Well. <laughs> more rewarding, but uh, certainly uh, yes. I mean, there's different pressures, but uh, it was. Uh, as a young man, an easier option for me, at least. Okay,
0: very good, very good.
1: And Graham, what are you currently teaching or what are you
0: working on? Like, are you teaching?
1: Well, um, uh, yeah, you, you you kind of um, traced a little bit of my my, my professional uh, profile. So after, after some time, like many people in my position, after some time working uh, outside of the UK, I came back to the UK and... Um, I think i think what's i think what's interesting in the way that i describe my career is is, is the way that it does link into kind of global trends i came out to the uk in, in in 1998 i think it was and i started working in a, in a british university in northumbria uh, as a as an eap teacher and uh i suppose the connection to kind of global events was was it was really quite near the start of the uh the sort of internationalization of education where students from all over the world would go to different countries and universities at that time were to some extent playing catch up with, the, with a number of students from different cultural and different linguistic backgrounds and so there's quite a, quite a boom in, 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 um, in recruiting language teachers in British universities to try, try, and, try and deal with students who weren't British uh, and to try and uh, work with them to, to help them uh, in their studies and um and from then you know these these things kind of progress over time um the the, the unit where i was working developed a masters course i think we all wanted to work uh, in in language teacher education and then from there on we developed a uh, so the the master's course, as you as you outlined, was for teachers. And then we developed a, a bachelor's course, which was language studies, linguistics, if you like. And there's some language teaching methodology in there, but it's also linguistics, pragmatic, including pragmatics, semantics, and all the rest of it, and also sociolinguistics. And so um over time I sort of migrated towards rather than teaching English per se, I I work and talk to teachers about teaching English. So I I can't really make any great claims to be uh, to be an English language teacher per se, although I've been in the field a long time and and, and to, to be honest, I suppose my it'll sound very glib. Uh I like talking to teachers about teaching. <laughs> it's like, great. Because that's we like... can we can learn we can, I can learn I can learn about the world and learn what happens around the world and absolutely. As, and also hopefully help teachers think about their own teaching. But uh you know I, I have to say that I do something for them, I guess, because that's that's part of the job. But actually what's in it for me, I can learn from what's going on Absolutely. so and now i work in know. language teacher education i guess
0: yeah and also well that's one of the main components you know like well classroom reflection like the experiences what you
1: see in the yeah. classroom every day you know, yeah how you that's teach. right it's a it's a funny balance isn't it because because if, if if you work on a, in language teacher education obviously there's things that you uh are said to know or things that you claim to know but actually um I think the way I, I see it is, is uh, I think the first question in language teacher education, I, I try and well, even for myself, but with people that I work with, the students on the program who are practicing teachers, is try and work out what, what we actually do do. What do we do in the classroom? because yeah. classroom decision making is so rapid, and we're running between jobs or running between classes, and we kind of make decisions. Because we made decisions, something has to, we have to do. We, what, what are we doing? So, so a, a, an interesting question is to, on language teacher education programs that I work on. These is when people have the opportunity to step back to ask them. So, so what is it that you do then? What do you do? What do you do in terms of error uh, corrective feedback, and what do you do in terms of own language use, and what do you do in terms of group or pay work, or and and, and try and get people to clarify. What they do, and then clarify the principles for it that they think they follow. Well, I no- notice the the emphasis on what that they think they follow, <laughs> and then from there, from there, it's a it's a question, isn't it, of, of thinking through what other possibilities there may be. And then this is this is the key bit, and this and so so far so good. I think I think I, I'm in a, in a reasonable position to ask those three questions of teachers: What do you do? Why do you do it? Here are, here are the alternatives. But then it goes back to the teachers. Are, are the alternatives likely to be more effective in your context? And that's not really a question that I can answer because I'm not working in that context. And finally, are the alternatives, if those alternatives are preferable, are they feasible in your context? And as soon as you get onto the in-your-context questions, that's where I think as a as Certainly, for myself as a language teacher educator working in the UK, then you have to let go, and, and it's it's about prompting people to go through that process of reflecting on those five questions for themselves: What do you do? Why do you do it? What are the alternatives? Do they work? Are they feasible? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's terrible. I've just summed up my entire attitude to language teaching education in twenty seconds. Uh, I'm not sure that that's a great. I'm not sure that's a great recruitment. Uh, <laughs> drive for my courses no yeah, but, but that's I, yeah, kind that's kind of how i see it
0: no yeah, but i think it uh it, it makes sense because like uh now with all the let's say different types of courses that you can find maybe for teacher training you know like um maybe may those are main uh those are the main questions you know like okay so now i i take a course you know and then Okay, so what am I going to do with all this 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 information now? How am I going to apply it or use it in my own classroom? Yeah. In, in,
1: in, is it is it even applicable? Exactly, yeah, Is it applicable. That's right.
0: And then let's say starting from that, from let's say talking from that uh, perspective, I, I've taken a few courses online, and you know during the pandemic they were very useful. There was one that was that talked about or that focused on assessment. That it was, right. and, then, and right. then of course the interesting thing was that uh you know there were teachers from different countries and it was so difficult to try to agree on let's say some, type, some let's right. say some point
1: but but that's okay i think that's <laughs> the important thing isn't it and, and 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 i i because context is so important clear, clearly we in an ideal world we would Kind of all like to follow a nice, clear set of principles, but it's not. A, it's it, but context matters so much in terms of what's the expectation of the learners, or the learners' parents, or the schools. What are we teaching for? Are we yeah. teaching for exams? Yeah. You know, we might not like teaching for exams because we might think the assessment is the great evil thing, but it's a reality, and it gives people opportunities and all of those things. And 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 who am who who am I to say somebody else is wrong? As long as somebody's thought something through and reached. A decision or a way of seeing the world that's reflective. Then, then I think that's probably enough. That's I mean, that might that might not sound like a lot, but for me, that's probably enough. Just getting people to to think through. Well, okay, it's, I could do that, but I'm not quite sure that it works. So I'll do this instead. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the,
0: here the reality is that let's say uh, English has become let's say a sort of product for people to you know advance in life you know depending on the type of school like from the school they choose the university they go to or let's say now the opportunities that many people actually here in chile would like to go abroad you know so for the case they need to pass an international exam you know and they have to prepare for that but so the the people now have realized that english you know and also learning english has is gives them a, a great advantage so that's why it's become let's say so necessary for Let's say actually to have good teachers in universities that are actually trying to recruit good teachers. You yeah, know, because yeah, need to, yeah.
1: And say. and and this is, and this is, I mean, there's so much there's so much value-based stuff underpinning it, isn't there? I mean, again, it's 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 easy for me to say. I mean, there are clear there are clearly um, issues or difficulties with the extent to which English has become important in individual lives and the opportunities it offers. What happens to those that uh, don't speak English? What happens? Um, to other languages, what happens to there's there's lots of problematic issues which Absolutely. which we could talk about for like yeah. days. Yeah. And and we might worry about those and and, and so in, in language teacher education we might discuss those things, but ultimately then you know life and teaching it seems to me unfortunately is is, is, is a set of compromises uh, to make uh, the best for our students and ourselves given the context we're working in you know it'd be lovely not to teach for assessment purposes, but life's not like up. Yeah, exactly. There must for many be people. Sort
0: of, Yeah, it must be some yeah. sort of assessment that let's say at some point.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> Because cause, cause assessment is is what, what allows people to progress. Without assessment, you can I can't believe I was saying this. You know, usually I'm usually I'm one to, to to pick holes in assessment, but assessment allows people to progress on merit in theory.
0: Absolutely. And also, well, in terms of language, you know, language teaching and language learning. It's very difficult to measure for students, you know, when they feel that absolutely. they are not progressing, uh, you know, it's like, oh, how, you know, especially when you have maybe an oral test and say, like, teacher, how, how am I doing? How, how did I do? Like, <laughs> so, like, OK, today you learn, like, ten new words. That's not, that's not something you can quantify very easily. So, yeah. <laughs> assessment yeah. is absolutely yeah. necessary. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. So, here, well, I have, I've like, read this book. It's a very interesting book. Oh, so.
1: wow. OK. Oh, keep showing it. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: thank you. So let's say what led you to 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 write this book or I mean because writing ah, a book requires a lot of yeah. work actually and it probably took you some time to it plan it, me some
1: time. it so that, that's that's a, yeah so i um i i was fortunate to be contacted by the series editors who were guy cook and ron carter and um they maybe i don't know They'd maybe spotted bits and pieces that I'd done before, which they'd like, so they they, they asked me uh, if I would like to contribute to the series they were launching and um, what was what was like many things in life it's it's fortuitous. what was fortunate was they asked me at a time where I had a an opportunity a gap opening up in terms of time uh, around. I had young kids, so I wasn't going out very much. Um, but, but also, it was, I'd been teaching on a master's program at that point. I think I got in touch in 2010, 29, 2010, I think it was. And so I'd been teaching on a master's program for about seven years. And fundamentally, um, which had helped me refine my thinking, fundamentally, that book at that time was uh, a distillation of, of of how I saw the field in terms of uh what i thought people on master's programs or what i thought language teaching professionals might want to think about so if we go back to the sort of my somewhat glib five questions what do you do why do you do it what are the alternatives okay how does this fit your context those are the principles underpinning it um and so what what the book set out to do was uh Take a look at the, at the kind of key areas in the in the field, you know, the classroom, the method, the learner, the context, and then work through. Okay, what did you do? That was the first section of each of those four areas. Um, then here are the ideas. Then what will you perhaps do in the future? So it's it's it's, it's quite a lot of uh, putting the 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 putting my interpretation of the field out there, putting the possibilities out there. Such and such says this, but such and such says that. Okay, how does that work for you? (laughs) And that's that's how it went, and that's kind of how the book is is organised. Rather than moving from theory to practice, it moves from practice to theory. Theory, It starts with the question: What do you do? What happens? What What do you do? And then it starts to introduce the theory and ask the theories. Sorry, and asks teachers if any read it uh, to um, then kind of process those combinations of what they do. Where they are what what other ideas are out there and start to make decisions as to whether they are happy and effective in their current practice which is okay it's not it's not necess- it's not a book that sets out to uh to necessarily change what people do it's a book that sets out to help people think through why they do what they do that's yeah. that's really it yeah
0: that, that's uh, why i like this 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 book so much because it, it goes from that it's not telling you this is what you have to do it's basically okay basically why do you believe what you believe in <laughs> basically why why yeah, do you think- yeah
1: yeah that i mean it it, it, it it's nice that, that 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 you and and I have picked up on that because that's really what it sets out to do i wouldn't Obviously, I, I, I need to claim that I kind of know the literature and I know yeah. what's in the field, yeah. but I don't want to claim that I've got a huge expertise. Like we say, go back to the converse, start of the conversation, You know, it's not for me to say, here, you are in Chile, I know what you should do. All I can say is, this is what people say. What, what do you make of it in your yeah. context? And that's really what it sets out to do. And so I, I kind of had, I, I, the timing of the invitation to write, it was very fortunate because I had this kind of idea in my head, this is what I wanted to do. And this is how I how I work with, with with teachers, and then it basically took me a year to put what was in my head down on paper. So obviously, writing you know you you've written writing is can be the world's worst thing and, until it's done, and, and then it's fab. But um, but I actually at least had the, the I, I already had a framework in my mind of what I wanted to do, and then it was just getting what's in there onto paper. We can always say that about writing. <laughs> that's very easy to do, but again, yeah, yeah, a, we've all, we all we all got ideas. It's how to get the ideas out that's the problem. Absolutely,
0: in a in a very interesting way. But yeah, I mean, every time I like you know, and actually, I have seen people you know recommend this book, and also,
1: oh goodness you know, gracious, uh, say, we we need to move on. you it's way too flattering. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah,
0: this is a very interesting book. so I'm going to show it here one more nice. time. Thank you, Last time. thank you for that. Actually, there was, I, uh, this is the the, the 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 second edition of the book because the first one that, was that's the, right.
1: So for the, for those that are actually listening to this, this wasn't prearranged. I didn't ask uh, no Jose to to to, <laughs> to, to show plug the book. my book. That's not no, this was, is all lovely, but
0: yeah. I was looking, let's say I was looking for the book in my in my bookshelf. So I I, I saw it and I'm like, oh that's there, hey, there's thank the book. you. <laughs> Very good. Well, probably yeah, we're gonna talk about let's say what happened and that maybe during the this pandemic because I think those two years, ah. of course, it was like emergency teaching was a very yeah. difficult situation yeah. for let's say everybody. So um how do you think like maybe your teaching was affected both negatively and, and of course positively during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, that's it's such a great question. And obviously everybody will answer in ways which might have similarities but have their own different um emotional experience of it as well. I think I think I think it's a it's an interesting one to talk about, isn't it? There was we all had um practical experiences of of managing technology and managing learners through technology and teaching out of our rooms at home and not leaving the house. But it was also in many ways uh increasingly over time an emotional experience, as in not as in it was it was a an experience that different people Dealt with in different ways in terms of the yeah emotions. I can't think of a better way of of discussing it. How could you how could you process the craziness of what was going on in the world and the fact that you weren't leaving your house very much, and the fact that your teaching had changed in ways that you weren't expecting. And it was I suppose that you know work came to the house, didn't it? And 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 we had to we had to there's a lot of emotional processing going on as well as pedagogic innovation and. as an as 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 individuals, so I guess we all use the technology in more or less effective ways, but we all had to deal with a range of emotional challenges to 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 get through it. So, how did my teaching change? Um, <laughs> I was off. It's now I, because I teach in, in 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 language teaching education, and I teach um, on a, on an undergraduate program. So, I I wasn't. I wasn't involved in direct teaching of English so I wasn't uh, involved in sort of trying to generate student interaction online but obviously in your teaching you do want people to participate and you do want people to engage and interact with each other as we discussed earlier part of the joy of working with people from different contexts is that sharing your experience so to go online was it was it was it was challenging that certainly I don't <laughs> I don't know what it was like for you, but to get people to switch their cameras on was quite an issue. Well, um, yeah, it was an issue yeah, for yeah. almost everybody around the world. Yeah, so that, that kind of talking into a black screen, I, at times I, I felt a little bit like my my students were fabulous and, and the chat bar was always alive, but there was moments where I felt it was a bit like being a radio DJ. You were just talking out there into the night. And then, and then suddenly something would mm-hmm. pop up at the side. You go, oh gosh, they are there. And yeah, then fabulous ideas would come. And actually, actually, uh, although the mode of teaching was different online, I'd like to think that I was probably chatting quite like this a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you imagine your ideal listener, your ideal student, and you just talk to them, don't you? And then they talk back. Um, so, for, for me personally, did it. I think yeah it, it was quite difficult not to to get to know students as personally as you would do because as I said right at the outset for me what the joy of teaching is to get to know people and and to work with people and to have that distance uh change the nature of of what teaching was It became for me uh much more um it became much more transmissive mm. there was a lot more me talking probably to fill gaps when it went quiet. Whereas you know when you know when you're in a classroom and you're giving people a, an activity and it goes yeah, quite naturally that, yeah. and that's fine you walk around and you know there's engagement and this that and the other <laughs> when yeah. it went quiet on the screen you are kind of sitting there kind of
0: okay so what am I supposed to that, do now
1: yeah yeah so 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 there was there, there was a degree of discomfort uh, initially uh, I think we all got used to it I mean I before the pandemic I can't imagine of sitting down and chatting to you in a podcast in a relaxed way you know but we've all been there. Uh, our development with things like Zoom has been accelerated. I mean, how was it for you?
0: I think it was probably, yeah, very, very, very similar. We, I was used to, you know, using uh, Zoom a lot, you know, but you know, the same issues like, you know, black screens, you know, and actually, yeah, I'm, I'm teaching, well, a few courses at the university. One of them was English Language 7, so it was supposed to be really interactive, but again, like, you know, and uh, you had we had to be in people's homes, so for, for some students, it was not... Very comfortable because they had to share their space with more people, basically, and also yeah. well. But I got to see many pets, and that's also yeah, say, always very cool. Yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. time there was yeah. a dog or a cat. But you know, in terms of uh, language, uh, let's say practice, that was a little difficult at, at the beginning. Yeah. Also, understanding that not everybody has let's say the same access to technology that we expect in this ideal yeah. world. Everybody has.
1: Yeah, no I think that was really interesting. Yeah, and, and we we worked. There was a, certainly an assumption and a, a, a necessary assumption, probably. There's an assumption that everybody had the same technological capabilities, and I don't mean that they're all as good, but they all had access to a computer at the time that the timetable was. Well, that's not that's not the case. If if you've got a uh, kids students where you know there's one computer in the house, but they have got two kids, then who uses the computer? That kind of that was an evident issue uh, in terms of access. Um, Obviously, dealing with teenagers—if they did have a computer, they don't want, you know, they don't want to switch the camera on when they're sitting in their bedroom. They just don't. I, I can understand that. I, you know, I've got teenagers myself, and I, I know they—they they didn't switch the camera on. I think my favorite, my favorite thing uh, for for teaching online was uh, <laughs> so you can kind of see who's in the class, and at the end of the class, you go, "Okay, thanks, you know, see you, bye bye," and loads of people leave the room. In every class, there was always one or two people that didn't leave the room. Because they're out walking the dog, you know, and they'd forgotten that they needed to. They'd forgotten that they needed to get back in the room yeah. <laughs> uh, before the class finished. So you're kind of there, and you're looking at, it and you're going, "Okay, the class is over." And there's no reply. Yeah. It's yeah. over. No reply. No, they're not about <laughs> an hour later, I used to get an email saying, "Oh, sorry, sorry, I, I, I didn't realize the class had finished." And then they put in brackets, "I apologize. I was walking the dog," and stuff like that. So that, that, that there was fun uh, stuff there was yeah, fun absolutely. stuff
0: Yeah. many let's say there are many anecdotes you know like people yeah yeah and, and, and
1: on, I, on you know and I, but i think the anecdotes build us build up a bigger picture of yeah. initial student discomfort it would be very interesting for me to speak to those people who were already engaged in online learning mm. and who didn't just transition to online learning In a way which completely tried to replicate what they already did, because in effect that's what I did. You know, it's like okay, I have these. I was lucky; we have a decent platform at work called Blackboard, and that worked pretty well. But in effect, I tried to recreate the interactions and discussions that I have in class. That's a better or worse effect. Uh, But I would, I would be very interested to know, to speak to people who did something radically, radically different with the technology, Uh, because I don't think I. It was a radically different experience but i didn't try and do something radically different yeah yeah i mean yeah
0: and um, some colleagues were like actually creating like youtube channels and things like that like using let's say some more technological stuff or maybe actually getting high definition cameras and things like that while others you know just had a laptop and you know and, and for them that would that was that, that was enough so it also yeah. depends if you're really fond of technology or not or how much you know because you know in yes. a way you were forced to and if it depended on wh- whether you were teaching online before or not, or if, if it was maybe your first time teaching online, so you had to yes. learn many, many, many things. And I think that was also something that, let's say, took place. And and now, what uh, are you teaching, let's say, co- uh, face-to-face courses uh, after? I, I don't I'm, know, because now in Chile, we also have the something similar, like what you have in the UK is, like, basically living with COVID. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I've been back teaching face to face for since September, um, and to start with, it was uh, it was quite a quite a strange experience because um, people were wearing masks and I was teaching behind a screen, uh, and I was for some of it I was I was wearing a mask, but then uh, as you can probably tell, I, I talk quite quickly, yeah. and uh, and when you're teaching, you're talking quickly and loudly, so you need a lot of air. So I had a mask on and I couldn't get enough oxygen, so I. Remember, so I so, so in the end, teaching with a mask was difficult because um, it would, it, it's that halfway house, wasn't it? Because you still don't quite get the the, the visual, non-verbal feedback of are, are, are they with me? But it, but it was interesting, and I'd, I'd be interested in your perspective. After a year and a half at home, I'm not sure that students were quite they'd lost the habit of talking in class a little bit some of my students their preparedness to to walk in and chat on and engage and interact and all of those things uh, was was i think noticeably less and well, they needed to be for want of a better word retrained or reacquainted with the the need to to, to speak uh
0: was that the same for you well, actually, here you know, like uh, the academic year starts in March, so I've been oh, of teaching, course, yeah, face to face in March, and I'm still wearing a mask inside, so we cannot, okay. we don't wear masks, let's say, just when we're outside, you know, outside, let's say. Okay, but also yeah,
1: you, you've, you've not quite gone the full hog of the, the we have in Britain.
0: No, so it's no, not not yet, but I think we're going to go in that direction. But let's say it's something very similar. I think also for me, like you know, sometimes you know uh, the beginning classes were maybe seventy minutes long. Mean now they're they are a little longer. But you know, I think we also for me it was difficult, you know, to manage time. You know, sometimes I would say like, okay, I I, I did way too much, or maybe um, maybe I ran out of uh, things to do, so I'm just we're just going to do something else now because for me it was also let's say, a little a little difficult, and also to see students again. And I think I agree with you, like to be reacquainted with like also teachers, not only students, but let's say everybody
1: had to be reacquainted with
0: the entire <laughs> learning experience.
1: Yeah, I think what was quite strange was if if we think of any classroom as being quite a social environment as well, where people do need to know each other, able to be able to engage and interact with each other, either for language learning purposes or to share their experiences of a a topic or an issue. Um, Having worked at home in isolation, the the French. So if I was to think about my sort of third year students, usually by the third year, people know each other pretty well because they spent two years knocking around and going to the same classes. But my current virges, uh hadn't seen each other for a year and a half, so that, yeah. they didn't really know each other very well—not in a kind of walk in and say hello kind of way. So the the start of every class was 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 quite kind of quiet and awkward, and you know that you know that downtime where people hi, how is we, all of that, where you build the relationships which the rest of the class is founded upon, and those relationships weren't quite there, and um and, and it really really. Brought home the importance of the, the social side of learning, the fact that we learn from our interlocutors or our peers, and um, all of those sorts of things. And, and, and so that was uh, over over time. As I say, we've now been teaching face to face about eight or nine months, and you can see students easing back and in, into the all the social processes that you would want in within a classroom. -hmm. Uh, But those first couple of months were quite strange. So now we're
0: experiencing that, like since maybe since March, we're experiencing what you experienced probably last year in September. So we're going through that uh, transition, and we we can actually see that. And students are, let's say, teachers are like very tired, you know, like exhausted, like maybe trying to find their place again. Yeah. Like in terms of maybe time management, and also, like you said, also in terms of oxygen, of course, but also where 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 to like what to do. Let's say maybe uh, people to just to find maybe new friends to make new friends to actually to actually see your teachers for the first time in well in for us two years yes
1: yes and 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 it's it's um yeah it's it's, it's a real learning experience i think it's a learning experience for everybody the, the, what i would say is that that um it obviously students obviously maybe not obviously many students found it difficult and many students perhaps think that their experience of online learning was not quite the same as face-to-face, but the degree of sympathy they offer their teachers, not sympathy, that's one, empathy uh, yeah. for the difficult position teachers were in, certainly my experience, was, was students were very generous with their yeah. uh, perspectives yeah. of the efforts of their teachers, tutors. They knew that, I'm not talking about myself, but colleagues were were, were thrown in at the deep end and trying at least to to get this right, and, and we were trying. all just going through it, weren't we? You
0: know, yeah, absolutely. So now, let's say the, the 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 impact of let's say going back to face to face lessons. So let's say uh, talking about that, Graham. What do you think the future of English language teaching is? My question refers to probably maybe are we going to go back to something like just face to face, or or the on the hybrid, or the online, you know, ways to teach? Are the are they here to to probably stay? Like how how do you see that?
1: That's I I could just throw in the it depends answer, <laughs> couldn't I? Um, I think I think it will vary greatly. I think from a slightly bleak perspective, I think a lot of institutions will try to maintain hybrid models or almost entirely online models without thinking how that might be done a little bit better than it has been so far. Mm. I'm not de facto saying hybrid and online models don't work they can work perfectly perfectly fantastically but i think a lot of institutions might try and see that as the future so we're going to do it without thinking through how to how to make it better than it was during the during the um pandemic uh, so i think there will be pressure for that um i think there's certainly a demand amongst learners for my speaking to my students, they're delighted to be back at the classroom in the classroom, sorry, but they also grew used to the flexibility yeah. that online learning gave them. So they're in slightly a, a cleft stick of loving the face to face stuff again, but realizing that face to face is not quite as flexible as online, they have to travel. They have to come into classes and things, so I think there's an unresolved tension in a lot of uh, student attitudes and beliefs at the moment, which will work out over time. Um, I mean, so so that's something else. I I think I'm certainly far more relaxed about teaching online as a teacher. I imagine most teachers are. I, I think I'm okay at it now. I I wouldn't have even dreamt of teaching online two years ago. It's just not no. something I no. ever thought I would do. I didn't think <laughs> I, I was particularly interested in it. Now I think, yeah, it's okay. It, it was all right. Um, we know that online teaching can be effective, um, with the emphasis on can be. Um, I, suppose, I suppose the question is, how do we measure its effectiveness? Has it ever true? We know that we know that students might enjoy some online teaching. Are we convinced it has fabulous outcomes for them in terms of language learning? I'm not quite sure that's been fully researched yet. I think I think it ultimately online teaching and learning will vary according to context in terms of the amount, the way it's uh, implemented the Extent to which students enjoy it and like it, and the outcomes you know, yeah. it's it, it, it isn't it depends. Question
0: Well, yeah, you you made a good point because probably you experience, and actually, every time like Chile was going through something, we would look at England or the UK because you were actually that's something that we, we, we were going to experience. And right now, it's uh, it's kind of similar, oh, you know, really. We we're saying, you know, like in terms of the tensions, because those are the things that are starting to say happening, you know, students. Either working or people who don't live in Santiago, who they have to let's say maybe commute or travel every day, yeah. and uh, and also that because that's very time consuming, you know, spending time in let's say on campus, you know, and uh, spending basically like the entire day, and before it would, they were used to something a little different.
1: There is an interesting, an interesting change. I'm going to summa, summarize something. It's my particular perspective on it, so so I'd like to think that I'm being accurate, but but maybe others in British universities would differ, but. A lot of British universities, certainly when we came out of the pandemic, or came out of the pandemic as far as we did last September, maintained an idea that they would like to keep an quite a significant element of online teaching. And um, the government, in fact, said that this wasn't what should happen. So there was, uh, you know, and the government certainly students in Britain. it's you know, they pay quite a high fee and it's kind of that kind of are people getting value for money if it's only online sort of thing. And and so there was quite a tension there between between university management and what the government perceived student demands to be. Um and I don't think that's been clearly resolved. Uh so we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. But it was um yeah, yeah. I I, I wonder if people's default setting for better or worse is, is that face-to-face is what they want, but I, I, again, it depends on
0: context. Um, I think there is a very interesting, let's say, research I- I idea there. <laughs> you know, yeah, to, to see, let's say, what uh, the students actually expect, and also to say teachers, or if it's been, let's say, very difficult for them to basically return to face-to-face activities.
1: Mean, so. Obviously, I'm talking from the perspective of somebody who came into online teaching because of the pandemic and there's many yeah. people in our field who've worked in online teaching for a, an online time. teacher education for a long, long time, you know, Nikki Hoffley, Gavin Doodney, and, and they would have very different perspectives about, about uh, how it works and its effectiveness. But if, if we take the many, many people, both teachers and learners who w- were thrown into it as it were, those are the kind of groups who it, who it was new in the pandemic and perhaps you know where technology was, was just... Keeping people going, uh, rather yeah. than being thoroughly thought through. Exactly. I suppose that that's the majority of people who are engaged online over the last two years. I do wonder what what. Yes, we have. There's a phrase in British politics. It's 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 become a cliche. Uh, I'll try and keep this non-party political. Uh, build back better, um, and uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. Uh, but I wonder if we will build back better uh Very you different. know in terms of technology uh it's i'm not a technologist so i can't i can't say you'd like to think we would but um but uh you do wonder absolutely and ram one of the last questions i would like
0: to ask you is like what areas do you think are going like teachers should specialize in maybe to feel or to be more prepared for the future in terms of teaching like should it only be technology or do you think maybe some other areas of linguistics or maybe
1: Ooh, some area? right um so Ha it, it de- I suppose it depends who and what people are teaching. Um, so I think the big de- I think the t- big debates within the field, and I don't necessarily think this affects classroom practice per se in terms of teacher decision making yet, although I think it will come through. I think the big issues in the field are um, who makes the decisions that affect what goes on in education systems and, and, and where, where is uh, expertise seeing as being located? Um, i think i think um the, the sort of decentering elt uh, movement uh, is is probably the most important thing in elt at the moment to to give local ownership of debates and discussions and the purposes goals values methodologies and implementation of technologies whether that's online technology or other technologies in the classroom so i think i think the um the rise in not not the rise of local expertise that's always been there, the rise in acknowledgement of the importance of local expertise, and the development of local expertise. I think that's that's probably um for me that's probably the central thing that is happening and and also should happen so that uh, we don't have people in you know far distant countries saying well this is how this is how teaching works. Um, and I think that revalues people, and it revalues uh, local knowledge. I think that's one thing. I think linked to that, therefore, is the types of English we teach. What are people uh, which links to forms of assessment and why people are being assessed? Uh, what norms do we want people to follow? And all of this, of course, links into ideas around. I, I started by saying at the start of my career how privileged I was, and I was privileged because of where I was born. I think. Um, the continuing waning influence of so-called native speakers, because it's a contentious term, I think that's, uh, that will continue and, and is, is very positive um, because it links to the, you know, the, the rebalancing of the field in ways that are locally appropriate. None of that necessarily helps teachers in their immediate classroom decision making. If I was teaching in a school, I'd want to know how ways of keep maintaining order and discipline and, and, and doing group work. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Uh, having materials that are effective and engaging and motivating, yeah. all of those, and also align with the ideas we might have about uh, language learning or language acquisition. So, Absolutely.
0: Yeah. 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 Let's say uh, in maybe uh, material design, you know, also like classroom management. I think those are the main ideas that people. I think yeah. there was um, um, somebody. I, I think a colleague' di- uh, dissertation that actually talked about that. Like you know, in terms of methodology of E L T, what 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 things would they have liked to be taught after teaching for some time? Then, you know, for for a couple of years. And I think I remember from that study, many man, the main question was, or the main topic was classroom management and then <laughs> material design. Well,
1: it's really really interesting because I I think we. I think it's fair to say that classroom management. There are a few texts and resources out there for classroom mm-hmm. management. Uh, Tony Wright has written about it. Jim Scriven, but compared to the focus on so many other things, I think yeah. I think the because uh, classroom management, of course, isn't necessarily just an ELT issue. It's, it's for every yeah. teacher. Yeah, uh, and so I suppose you could argue look at other other aspects of the education sector and, and, and learn from that. But I do think classroom management is is, is is an underrepresented uh, theme within uh, ELT publications and ELT discussions. We like to talk about the new thing, online stuff, or new resources, or should we do EMI or CLIL or all these things, and they're all really, really important, but as a teacher, when you go into a class of 30, 35, 40, you want to know, how can I organise learning amongst my children to best effect so that they learn and, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Don't shout to each other. Or maybe. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, probably it's it's kind of similar. Let's say in that in that way, probably like we uh, in Chile now we're facing let's say many problems in terms of discipline. You know, like yeah. uh, students been really like uh, you know disruptive or you know maybe wanting to have maybe a, a longer break, let's say, or things like that. So they
1: can I, do you think those issues? in I know you're quite new back into the into schools following the pandemic. Do you think? Those issues are potentially more challenging after the pandemic. Do you think kids have got used to not being in school, and then they come and say they want more to do their own thing? I think so. I think maybe I think there are
0: well, there there are two areas there because here, well, in Chile, we have the the, uh, there was the idea of making the uh, school day like longer, you know, like teaching it. But however, however, <laughs> the idea was, let's say that students were going to have like some sort of workshops in the afternoon, like after lunch, you know. Yeah. And I think that's like where the main tension is is right now, because imagine like going from, to school from eight until like three or four in the afternoon. It's a very long day know, it's a very long day and um and i think maybe people were not let's say very used to or maybe used to going back and let's say like like you said to to class every day like five days a week for i don't know so so many hours and uh, and i think that that can be one of the main issues here like maybe should we make the the uh like the the, the school day a little shorter or you know should we have some activities online but i think that's that would be very difficult to organize but i think we're facing i mean every time uh so my colleagues let's say say oh, i've been having lots of problems to let's say teach my class because you know uh you know not only <laughs> because of uh I'm, I'm tired but also students are tired and also because they are complaining that they have too many too many things to do and us say for class yeah.
1: yeah 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 I think that i I don't think I'm misrepresenting things here, but there's a slight sense that as school students have come back, I'm talking about teenagers have come back into schools. uh, There's a slight sense that the norms they were used to before the pandemic, as in discipline norms and ways of behaving and ways of studying and engaging, they're challenging them a little bit more because they've had two years at home. And and I think, I think, that's a real challenge for all involved, uh, it, and 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 is and is probably worth as much as a fo- of a focus as whether online mechanisms can support. We're going to be face to face. How can we resocialize? If 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 schools are built around, you know, for better or worse, schools are built around a set of social norms which we may agree with or not agree with, but they are. How do we get kids to fit in? Absolutely. As a yeah,
0: like to get reacquainted with those, let's say, rules. And I think those are the main challenges that, let's say, yeah. some of my yeah. friends and colleagues who are teaching at schools, you know, at the moment, uh, that's what they usually say. It's like, it's been like crazy, you know, like trying to, yeah. you know, like um, trying to have, you know, yeah, people, you know, working for an hour. I think it's like for them, it's enough. Having a class that's 90 minutes long, it's way too long now. So it's yeah. also, let's oh, say. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Long. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it seems there's similar issues in uh, across context.
0: Yeah. So that's why maybe it was an interesting conversation. Also, I wanted to I want to talk to people from different countries because when we talk about these things, we realize that we're going through the same experiences. They are not, let's say, that that different. Probably, you uh, maybe in England, uh, you had these experiences. of people, people who were working at schools back in September. Now we're experiencing them in March, yeah. like March, yeah. April, May. Yeah. You know. So
1: it's, it is quite a. a in a, in a strange way everybody experienced it both differently and in similar ways uh, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely oh, that's that's interesting yeah. absolutely um uh, well
0: uh, i just had let's say one one more point but maybe uh when you have some time maybe we can have like a compilation usually we ask people and actually uh to send or to share a list of favorite let's say resources or materials that maybe your website they usually go to so maybe you can share that
1: with us yeah uh, sure i i can i can try and send some things to you I, what i obviously i work in in areas now which are to do with um research or scholarship around elt and uh obviously there's there's so many uh teach development books there's so many journals but these all have paywalls or cost money i think uh, my one thing that i i would Say, I'll, I'll, I'll send more to you. Is that most people who, most authors in E.L.T. and researchers, it seems to me, want their work to be accessible. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, if you work in a British university, uh, most people put up pre-publication copies of journal articles yeah. uh, for free. Uh, they're not the final version. They're perhaps not quite the final draft. But if you, uh, if you go, if if somebody. Somebody's name crops up. Excuse me, who has a publication, and they work in a university, whether Britain or America, or whatever. <coughs> he can often find a pre-publication uh, version, which uh, is completely legitimate. It's not one of these, you know, somebody's PDF didn't stuck it on uh, on a social media platform. Um, <coughs> so that's uh, that's probably what I do the most, actually. Yeah. I. Um, if I can't find something because it's behind a paywall, I try and find who the author is find out where they work and see if they've got pre-publication <clears throat> and of course a lot of the a lot of the names in our field also have uh, copies of various publications and papers that they've done absolutely so yeah. I think there's a certainly in terms of teacher research and scholarship there's a lot more available than, than we might think at first glance if we have the time I and mean, it does take time and energy to to try and dig it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that would be yeah. my my starting point.
0: Yeah, that would be great and if you can let's say maybe I can <laughs> share that with uh, our yeah. listeners and, and because we also have a our website www.eltinchile.com, so I can share that there. Sure, maybe. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Ram, thank you very much. So that concludes our video episode with you. Thank so you, thank, you thank you so very much, much for, for taking the time. You know, uh, I know it was a very interesting conversation, and it was let's say good to see that we're probably going through the same issues, yeah, experiencing the yeah, same difficulties.
1: Was... <laughs> it was really interesting. It's it's funny because it, it, it's not until you ask asked a question that you, I'm sorry, it, on many occasions it's not until you're asked a question that you know quite what you think or you know quite what your experiences are and so um, obviously I sort of, you know, you, you, you tell me a few guidelines what we will talk about but then when you're actually talking, oh gosh, this is what I think about stuff. So it was really interesting for me to both find out what I think but also to 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 learn about the situation in Chile as well.
0: Really so- great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Graham, again.